Welcome to the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Join your hosts, three-time WBFF world champions and WBFF royalty, Alicia Gowans and Stephanie Ayala McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Queen Divas podcast, which this time I've remembered to hit record on. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at like, we already recorded this episode, but we have to go ahead and re-record because Alicia's prep brain already kicked in. <laughs> and, you know, maybe just the fact that she's got the baby in the mix and oh prep God. She did not hit record last time. No. <laughs> so here like, we are. We're going to redo and recap uh, how Elise's prep to Atlantic City is starting and how it's going. So, Allie, yeah. what's up? I actually how did, um, I actually did a story on this this morning to say that, look, it's probably not entirely a horrendous thing that I forgot to hit record because it means we've actually had a few weeks under my belt. Mm-hmm. So we can actually sort of discuss that. And I guess, you know, one of the biggest things that we talked about first time, take one of this, um, was the fact that there's, it looks so different, right? So there is nothing at all about this prep that looks anything like any of my other preps. And I kind of like that in one way, because it's A, it's a challenge and it's 100% stretching me um, on so many levels. So there's, you know, some really big positives coming out of it. Um, But it's also, I'm learning a lot. There's so much um, that I had to factor into and approach things from a very different level um, because I'm post cesarean, which I had never been before. And postpartum post cesarean, with you know a situation where I couldn't even start training until seven weeks after he was born then when I started training it wasn't even like I could go straight into it or straight into how I would have previously you know been lifting I literally had to do rehabilitation based training I've still been doing it up until this week well okay so guys just to recap because on the last episode when we were I thought we were recording. I told Ali, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to freaking kid chop your head off. That was such a good episode. But I get it. Like I did, I should have recognized too that she didn't record. So it's a little two end street here. Um, but at the same time, we recapped on Worlds a little bit on how she had actually managed through traveling across the globe and still kind of trying to do what she could amongst, you know, the day-to-day activities, as well as, you know, events that we had with the WBFF. And she was still active, although she wasn't cleared for her to train. So this is actually one of the questions I had on the last episode, but now it's a little different because before I asked her how she was able to, you know, obviously navigate herself through that. But now it's like, how do you feel as a newbie again? Because I know that's how you feel, right? Like having to re-enter soreness, and having to, you know, just reestablish, right? Like the beginning entry phases that normally like the DOMS, we've talked about that in the past, uh, but also just recovery and strategic scheduling. Because I'm curious with the baby, like how are you even able to manage your meals, your training? This is probably the biggest question for everybody, right? Yeah. And look, this is probably one of the biggest things that is really different for me is that 
you know, look, for anyone that follows me would have seen that my daughter turned 10 literally oh. on Wednesday. So, you know, my was not much of a baby. Oh and, you know, for the for the years that I have been, so I've been a pro in the WBFF for 10 years next That's April. So I'm, I'm just shy of a decade, right? I've been doing this a very long time. But all of my years as a crowned athlete, and, you know, I've got five crowns, so two mm. international titles, three world titles, those have all been gained over the last, you know, five five years six years and in those six years you know you've got to remember Kala was at a decent age right so she was well established in a routine well established in a ritual you know I literally have her 70% of the time her father has a 30 so I have times where I'm completely free um but it's all super manageable so I was able to do things when she before she was awake or when she wasn't with me and I never had to really factor into or manage this completely dependent entity, right? So my whole prep and training regime now looks so different. Like I've juggled it as another, yeah. um, you know, in the WBFF land. For anyone that isn't aware, I actually competed when Kella was six months old. So I did do wow. this before um, and I did prep throughout my pregnancy with her and then after to get on stage in another federation, which I won. Um, oh, this before, is WBFF. This before is doing before. WBFF, yeah, yeah, gotcha. correct. So, so I knew I could do this, right? But it does look very different because... Oh, it's been done before, but you didn't have the actual C-section. Correct. So... Now correct, you have to correct. deal with the recovery so is, of a surgery. Yes, correct. Not just so this is what I'm just coming to is that all of the preps I've done that have been at a very successful high level in the WBFF, I've done without having to manage these variables. So this is all a new mix for me. But even when we break it back and look at the fact that I have done a prep through pregnancy, post-pregnancy to a stage where I've won, um, it looked different because it was a natural birth. So what I mean by that is... After I had her, I was back in the gym within two weeks. I was doing my pelvic floor and I had some abdominal separation. Which is normal. Manage, which normal is normal for someone that, yeah, is right? able to give, you know, birth yep. normal. But it, right? meant, it meant I had five and a half months under the bar, so to speak, to get ready for my show, right? Okay, um, so you did five month or five and a half month prep. Yep. Whereas now, because <laughs> of the surgery, cutting seven layers and then the rehab that's required after you don't get cleared until six weeks post, then though, this is the thing that I don't think a lot of women are aware of. Between six weeks post and 12 weeks post, which I still have another two weeks to go on, your uterus is still healing internally. So even though my stitches are out, I'm cleared from a, a muscular point of view in that lower abdominal region where they cut through, the actual uterus deep inside still has stitches and healing going on. So you run the risk of if you load too quickly, too fast and inappropriately, you will bust potentially something internally in your uterus. Now, two things happen when that happens. You either have like mass hemorrhaging and there can be the need for another surgery, which would set me back another whole 12 weeks of healing because essentially it's like another cesarean or 
you might lose your entire uterus. They might go in and rip the whole thing out. Hysterectomy. Which gets I've heard of these stories. It actually before happens. Yes, it has freaky. happened. I've heard of the freaking freaky stories, honestly. Yeah. But it's coming from post-birth. And I think that the women that are just trying to quickly get back into training are neglecting these things because they want to physically, right, look a certain way. And Ali's really a great example here that she wasn't going to mess up her prep that's coming no. into the next, let's say, well, exactly. now we're talking out, but at the time that we were at Worlds, she was still like 16 weeks out or so, right? Yeah, from was. The was. show. And she was still like super, super careful, very cautious. She wasn't in the gym yeah. trying to like exert, you know, obviously some heavy weight. She was doing body weight, y'all. Like she was actually trying to just manage her body weight. So for so, all of those- That's, that trying that's to exactly- in, that's exactly what it looked like. like right the day before I flew out for Vegas for Worlds, I got the clearance because we had the internal examination where they test your pelvic floor. And, and we talked about this, Steph, where your pelvic floor is ranked like it's got like it's an elevator. It goes from the bottom floor up to level five and back down. So it's ranked out of five, right? Pre, pre-pregnancy, I had everything tested. So internally under load, standing under functional um, pressure, I had it all tested. I was at a 4.5 out of five. So that's really quite strong. I was coming down that. So the pelvic floor muscle is strong. Stuck up. So they might go up the levels and then they get stuck and their pelvic floor doesn't fully relax. Well, mine was able to go 4.5 floors up and fully relax, which was great. That's a really strong yeah. pelvic floor, especially for a woman who's already had kids, has a history of, you know, seriously. You train your core, Ali. It's not like you're you're not you're not you're not neglecting training no. your core, which no. is not at all. Not at all. Let me just touch base on this real quick because so many of society, the whole world, has so many issues, back issues, hip issues, knee issues. And guys, this actually comes down to your pelvic floor muscles, no matter who you are, whether if you're female or male, it really comes down to your core bracing. If you don't have any core strength, yes. you're really not going to help all these other lacking. No. And there can be under- serious implications for you as a female if you let this oh, spike totally. or if you don't look after this leading into and out of a pregnancy in particular, like I'm talking prolapses all sorts of wow really horrendous stuff right so, so what's your training looking like Ali because I'm curious I know at the beginning we were still doing body weight you had a slow yeah. transition to light so, weights and now so what is it for everyone listening now? like the day before I left for worlds I got the clearance that everything you know externally and the muscular superficially was good we then did yeah. the internal examination and I went from a 4.5 out of five before pregnancy at 20 weeks pregnant. They tested me again. I was four out of five. So I dropped just 0.5. And then mm-hmm. afterwards they tested me again, six weeks postpartum when I got the clearance and I was four out of five still on my left side, but where the baby had been sitting predominantly all on my right, he'd been crushing a bit of a nerve, she thinks, and the pelvic floor there has become a little bit lazy. So it's only 3.5 out of five, right? So I got this clearance, okay. but got told there's an imbalance and I need to start working yeah. on that. So that's part of my yeah. 
um, rehab and part of my priming work before my lifts right now. So we'll go into yeah, that. That was your right side, right? Your right yeah, side. All on my that. right side. So he must have just been, just been crushing it, right? And then one of the things that, you know, has popped up for me in prep so far has been this hemi tendon that started to get an aggravation. And the interesting thing is what we've now identified this week is it's actually linked to this right quadrant that is a little bit laxed on my mm. lower um, abdominal, on my lower abdominal, abdominal in my TVA and on my pelvic floor. So wow. that actually means that the back of that leg, that whole hemi, um, you know, is recruiting. It's not going to fire up properly, right? It's going to, it's yeah. going to be like, Correct. it's going to be like Correct. a little laggy rather than your other side. Yeah. Guys, her touching base on this is like huge because I find this is obviously postpartum, but across the board for anyone that is having any imbalances, if you don't actually try to pinpoint or try to figure out what are the imbalances from left to right, you're really never going to fully be able to improve these areas actually with good symmetry. So again, there's no one symmetrical hundred percent, unless like you're like maybe some God or Greek God or something, but I don't know anyone. (laughs) I don't know anyone that I know on the top of my head um, that is extremely symmetrical. So what she's addressing is actually what she's going to have to work on throughout the prep so that maybe some compound movements aren't actually loaded a hundred percent, but rather the her actually working through these imbalances to make the left to right just as equally dominant yep. because her right side is now suffering from not being able to activate yes. and actually Please. causing her some issues <laughs> on yeah on, on the on the right side squashing it yeah and so um, her right glute her right hamstring her right quad her right calf yes. everything down the right yes. side of her limb most likely from the hip down is going to be affected so it's interesting because a lot of it's in my sling so when we're looking at this not recruiting properly on this right side, my left glute there, you know, therefore is a little weaker. And then the opposite. It's going asymmetry. So it's actually going opposite. Sling. So it's the opposite. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, Exactly. But oh, it's really evident when I do a few things unilaterally, you can, you can see. So, so it's not down your right leg. It's actually causing you some imbalances going yeah, into the correct. inferior side of your opposite. Coming literally oh, from that crazy. lower quadrant in my core slash pelvic floor and its recruitment. So, and then that has an impact upon, you know, the actual full core. My ab um, plate is coming in really well. I've only got like one small part of my finger separation now in between above and below the the belly button which is fantastic um above average and that doming that comes through which is you want to avoid that only happens as I start to fatigue which again happens because that lower right quadrant is a little weak so it's really interesting it's a fine line at the moment bringing up reps and volume and um you know what load I put on it at a fatigue point because what we're trying to do is stretch the fatigue point out further and further not just smash with load and take me somewhere before I'm ready to get there right so I'm earning the right to progressively load I'm not just progressively loading for the sake of it my body you guys hear her okay she said she's earning the right to progressively load if I can just put in a statement a caption so many try to get ahead at loading because yeah. yes that's what we preach we preach about progressive overload but yeah and i think you know is necessary but we smart. know 
yeah, we know that strength is required and we know that lifting a heavier load is 100% going to be giving us the gains we want, right? But that does not mean though, and I talked about this previously, that you cannot create muscular development and you can't build lean tissue through volume and frequency because it's tension after all that you're going for, right? So working awesome. in a hypertrophy point like I am at the moment, what we've seen in the last three weeks is I've actually gained mass. Like it's been pretty cool. Um, and we're going to touch on this. Yes, yes, I was like, my curiosity is going on to yeah, body composition changes. This leads because... into mindset because for a lot of people, this would screw them up because the scales don't move that much, right? But my but the body looks better. A hundred percent. And this is where... Um, we didn't drop calories, stupid, um, you know, amounts at all. I stayed relatively close to maintenance for the first two weeks because, you know, A, breastfeeding, B, um, healing still. So you need, you know, optimal EA for healing processes to occur. But then also recomp. We wanted to try to recomp me as much as possible to bring up any lagging points and, and, and regroup some of the lost mass, right? So it's looked really different because for me, cuts have looked one way. I've always been down, 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 around, and it's just right? down, 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 down. I build in my off season. I stay super tidy. I'm always like eight to 10 weeks from a stage max. Um, and then it's like a 20 week taper with diet breaks. And it's just down, 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 down. It's pretty smooth sailing. I never once question, will I be ready? You know, um, I never look at myself and think I've got like heaps to lose. Like, I know how good I sit all year. The so strategy looks a little problem. bit more linear rather it than right now. So you're yeah. Now at the moment, it's like this. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like this like nice heart rate. Like, let's look at the algorithm of a heart reading, right? Like it goes up, down, up, down. <laughs> exactly. and it's, so it's, it's all over work. the shop. But, um, but at the same time, it's not all over the shop, not tracking with, you know, logic. Variables. It, 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 there's logic progression here, um, you know, and so to, to recap back on the fact that I got this clearance in the, you know, the pelvic floor was doing its thing and I'm fine on that and I'm fine on the abs, we couldn't still then go straight into training as per normal because, as I said, the uterus continues to heal from postpartum week six to 12, right? So yeah. I had to continue to strengthen the core, bringing that, you know, separation. By in. not heavy loading though. Exactly. By actual adding exactly. tension, correct? Body weight and tempo, tension. And very specific um, exercises as part of my daily rehab, which believe it or Pelic not, believe it or not, it's crunches. So we used to get told yeah. even 10 years ago with Keller, um, that was the last thing you should do. You I'm should so do. shocked you just said that right yep. now. Like, yep. honestly, they used to say that it would make the separation worse, right? But new yeah. research has found it's actually crunches that, that draw your course at a cross and in. So ironically, I'm now doing the one thing I used to avoid 10 years ago because we believed that to not be good for you. It is now research and evidence back shown. It's the one thing I should be doing. So I'm doing daily. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because I feel like everyone that's listening is probably on the same. What's yeah. what up, girl? Hold on, hold exactly. on, on that real quick. Because what you just said, and these are things that maybe all of us have believed, because that's me included. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, you just say crunches is what you're doing. Um, because crunches yep. is known to separate the ab wall, quote unquote. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> believed that to be the case, but no, now new but, research 
has found it's not in fact the case. So, so since six weeks, what I've been doing every single day, um, twice a day is 10 crunches. And I'm not talking hands behind heads. I'm talking like the full. That's what I was going to ask next. Like, how are you performing the crunches? Hands on legs, reaching up over the knee. So sliding up. More of a Pilates based crunch. More of a C-spine flexion. Correct. Correct. So, you know, literally bringing, laddering it up one thing at a time. So 10 of those and then 10 diagonal. Now, the interesting thing is, Mm. again, with the sling, you notice the difference in my diagonal on that weaker side. So in fact, you would be thinking it would be my right side, but it's not. It's my left hand across that actually shows the weakness in the recruitment of the lower right quadrant. So I do a few more reps on that one than I do the other. I've then got um, a couple of Pilates-based movements with a ball where I'm actually doing... um, crunch based like a reverse crunch where I'm actually rolling vertebrae at a time back and then vertebrae at a time up in a really controlled manner so that's a progression from the crunches alone I started out crunches alone now we've progressed with some of these Pilates movements and these are the only core work that I'm able to do at the moment I cannot do anything else there is you know normally I would be smashing the hanging leg raises and GHD side (laughs) crunches and planks and all these things and I can't do any of them at the moment I'm literally everything is on your back everything is obviously max related pelvic floor focus so I think first and foremost about pelvic floor and then corset you know, TDA and corset and then execution of crunch, right? So these are the things that are super important for me before I even consider the loading side. So so that's what the first week looked like. And the first week was literally just those exercises on the floor of my bedroom and the Vegas hotel room because that's all I could do. There was nothing else, right? And I didn't actually start loading anything until I got home from Vegas. And by loading, let me explain this. Um, the first <laughs> week on this last episode, by the way. Yep. The first <laughs> week. It's happening. <laughs> yep, I did not lift what? anything heavier than George. So in the first week, which was. As it my, should be. Yes. Seventh week postpartum. I didn't list, lift anything over five kilos. <laughs> but I did no. a shitload of volume and tension and tempo. So Listen up, everyone, ladies, she didn't force herself even with a prep um, like ahead of her or a deadline in front of her. Even though like, it's what I see is so many people rush into these preps and trying to load on the front end, right? Like, and just yeah. trying to pressure everything of prep on the first five weeks, six weeks, whatever. She's actually going on a slow obviously start because that's what she has to do right because she can go aggressive she's actually going to be a little bit more on less aggressive right like she's going to be very slow to start to make sure she gains momentum and that momentum then will let her know where she stands as far as progress rate so notice how because my my next question to you is besides the body compositional changes you've been able to make these last four weeks yeah. Where have you seen the scale versus body fat move? Because oh my this god, is massive! Key, um, so key here. hardly any movement on the scale. But <laughs> y'all hear this? <laughs> it's so cool too because I, I was, it. you know, like I'm known for my wheels on stage usually, right? Like my legs, yeah. are, my boots are a strength of mine, and 
I lost size in them um, a little bit, not a whole Absolutely. lot, but a little bit. And especially then, you know, when you factor in that you're going in the last trimester, you, you're literally, you, what is of access to you is far reduced and you're lifting basic weights, you know, you're going more volume, you, you start getting really tired, there's, you know, sciatica, mm. there's all these load issues. So you start, you know, training only like four days a week and, yeah. Whether you like it or not, you do lose a fraction, okay? And then you go in, for my instance, into a C-section where then I can't train at all for seven weeks. It's seven weeks off. That's the longest I've ever not trained in my entire adult life. It's a hectic, right? And I would have thought more that of, my, More of a mind, mind yeah, I guess. Yeah, than and I would have thought that I was going to have some really big mental hang-ups about it and some concerns, you know, be freaking out because, you know, knowing the deadly just pretty good at worlds. Was coming. But I actually didn't. I was really shocked. I just, um, I really went with the flow of the fact that this deload, like the last three years in a surplus of eating for me is really good for me. It's really good for my body. It's really yeah. good for the start of prep. And my body's going to really respond so fast when I get into it. And it mm. really has. Now, if I was a girl that was just hung up on scale, scale, scales, I'd be freaking out right now, right? And I have, yes, really. I, I have, I have posted this yesterday. I actually shared my two week change, sixteen weeks to fourteen weeks out, right? And in that change, you know, I talk about the fact that I'd only dropped, not even a kilo, but I've dropped. 15 millimeters in, in my calipers in that time. Your average loss, you're sort of looking about three mils in a week. So that says everything. But wait, what you see really the hip cool. drop though. Do you guys like, okay, let's refer to these photos because you're actually <laughs> talking about measurements dropping in the waistline, your hips coming yeah. up, your glutes look bigger, your waist yeah. looks smaller, Correct. your lats smaller, your shoulders look bigger. Notice the things right. that I just mentioned. These yeah. are all ratios because yeah. she said she dropped in millimeters. Okay. Yeah. In the caliper. And I'm like, wait, 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 it's hold up. Like, that's yeah. no, well, actually inches. So yeah. that means that she's dropped quite a bit of inches too, off of these ratio areas we're talking about, which are going to be your hourglass shape that we're referring to the yeah. waist glutes, and then shoulder to lat chest slash chest. And wow, Ali, like this is what wow, it was how long good. It? it was good. So for it everyone was, listening to this, this is a two-week progress. Yeah. So, <laughs> like it's not it's not crazy hectic when you look at it, the visualism like crazy hectic changes. But let me say this though, for everyone listening, for the first week of that training, you gotta remember this is only two weeks of change, but in the first week of that training, I lifted five kilos. That's it. Okay. Five kilos, 10 pounds Four here kilos. for my Americans, okay? Like for my Americans that are listening, that's 10 pounds. Like I know five kilos, maybe what is that? But it is very light. That is what some of the lowest dumbbells that you can possibly get besides the five pound one, which are two and a half kilos over there. So that's the beginner standpoint that we always feel like whips. And Ali has bossed it out. And I'm just going to refer back to a couple things that maybe some people don't know about Allie, but she's one of the hardest workers in the room. And I've seen her prep after prep and honestly, year after year, just get better at her preps. But one thing I do relate with her, even though I did not go through a pregnancy this year, she has to have a complete different prep this year because of her injury slash surgery slash, you know, obviously actual, you know, uh, having labor, like she has had a lot of things in her background and she's been able to navigate, gosh, way up, like way up 
uh, against, I guess, the stereotype and against what the normality is. And everyone would always like kind of say, oh, I can't do a prep because I have a broken back. <laughs> you know, she won a freaking world it. title after that. And then she went and <laughs> yeah, and then I just went it. and showcased that she was able to become an actual top athlete, not just for one year, but three years in a row. And, and then, then COVID happened, she got pregnant. Back, right. So this is and this is where okay, I had a couple of moments, and let me explain why. Um, we had some challenges in this past fortnight, right? I wrote about it in my in my post. Yeah. We had two trips to Canberra where all of our routine was thrown off and Bubby was meeting all of his family for the first time. And it was just a lot of stimulation and he didn't sleep. And so then I'm up all night. Um, There were a couple of really big disrupted days and that significantly impacts not only your recovery, your energy and your lift capacity, but your mood, whether you like it or not, it does. And so for me, I had these moments where then I'm like, holy shit, you know what? Like these things just happen. And then I'm a very resilient mind. I'm a very flexible mind. So I don't get um, attached to anything looking a specific way. I'm very moldable. Um, but it's still that situation where I go, man, yeah. have I even bitten off more than I can chew? And and <laughs> I, I thought that thought for like two seconds before I was like, hey, no, on, get your shit together. Shut you got Karen. Shut up, Karen. You can exactly. stop talking inside now because let's let's recap on this for a minute. You broke your fucking back, lady. And then you went on to go on stage three times with cortisone injections in your back the day before you flew and two days before you got on stage. You literally didn't pose one year until midnight the night before your show to reclaim your crown. Um, We're good. We got this. Do you know what I mean? Um, Karen, oh, shut up because that's the only thing that's talking. You you nailed yeah. it though. Like the I had to have a conversation with myself because it was like, hang on a minute. Why would I even out. think for one second that this variable will be the variable that breaks me? It's not going to be mm-hmm. faced actually mm-hmm. way worse than this. The thing that is the, un, I think the reason that that thought even popped into my head is because there's manners of unknown. So what I mean by that is I did the back. I managed the back. I had mm-hmm. unknown variables for the very first time that I won a crown post that injury. And it was the Atlantic City show. So there's a big sentimental reason for me hitting the Atlantic City show as my comeback. Broken back. That was your recovery. Well, your comeback. Yeah. It was my very first crowned win. And it came at the back end of some big adversity. You know, I had had my, my back break literally a year prior. So for me, it's a full a full break. I don't think people get this. Like, a, a, like your back breaking is is not. It's probably the hardest thing to come back from. And she made that as a comeback story. You know, and especially when people you. are telling you you're gonna need surgery. You'll never be able to lift again. I mean, rubbish. Mm-hmm. I went on to do a powerlifting comp. People, you know, I think if you they let did. someone's conversation dictate where your thoughts go, then yes, you will actually buy into what you're being told. If you, however, choose to find whatever means necessary to achieve what it is that you believe to be possible, then that's exactly what you will achieve. So I think your thoughts are the things that alone will govern the direction you go in and how far you actually go. So I won't let my conversations get very far in my head. I'm human though. They're going to pop up from time to time. And I think it popped up because it's unknown, you know, like I've never done this with this 
C-section situation before. So there's an unknown. So every now and then, whether I like it or not, I'm a normal functioning human female. I'm going to have fucking retarded thought processes. But thankfully, they don't last long and I come Karen out and I crush her real fast. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like everyone else and I'm juggling sometimes, you know, some self-destructive moments, but they don't last long. And we all have them. Yeah. yeah. And I think your ability to stay quite, um, quite aware of what you're actually capable of is super important. So, you know, like I, I had to remind myself of that, that I've faced worse. You know, yeah. This this will be something that I, these two will pass. Right. And I guess the, the key to it is recognizing that even though this was my worst starting point, even though this isn't my largest, you know, body fat um, percentage starting point, I know my shit. I do the job. I don't have disordered eating patterns. I don't have a bad relationship with food. I have a very good relationship with self. I don't have a lot of the things that would otherwise prevent me from getting to this stage and or keeping a um, healthy perspective along the way. You know, I think I could literally lose sight of those things if I wasn't who I am and how and I, I think see. a lot of the new competitors deal with what you just mentioned right there. Like they do. you don't know what is happening or what to expect. You're not going to believe in yourself as much, but the reason why you're able to hone in to the reality is because you've done it in before, right? You've done yeah, it in the past. Right. So everyone that has done a prep before, been on stage before, you're just kind of selling yourself short with these negative thoughts because you're right. making them a reality when you've already made reality before, right? You've made history, you've been on stage, you've done the prep, but if you haven't, you don't know what's to come. I think that's the unknown and that's the fear. And that's where you think that you're not going to be ready, but we all get that. And just hear yeah, what we're saying too. here. You do it at any point. As Gosh, we're human. You're going to get the negative thoughts. You're going to get the doubt. You're going to get the fear. If we don't have doubt, fear, or probably any type of, um, I guess, overall judgment towards ourselves, I guess, because we're super critical. I think that's like the harsh reality of all of our journeys is that we're super, super critical and probably overly critical. And that's when we stop and we limit ourselves to actually doing maybe the, the the actual show so I you know how many people I've seen exactly. actually drop out of the show that I'm like yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you like you are literally the best person I have on the team right now and I'm just being honest right like, and, and, and they're dropping and out because they don't believe in themselves it's also but, a situation where you're like have you seen Allie <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't dropped out what's your literally never <laughs> never no actually what you just said though like okay great example anyone prior in history that has done what you're trying to achieve has done before why is it unachievable for you honestly like why is somebody better than us it means that we aren't willing to commit to that goal and go that far absolutely so we have to really look in and cut the Karen out cut the freaking hands yeah Oh, negative Nancy, the, you know, like Karen is what I guess the, like the new saying is, but I've always called her Nancy in my day. Nancy, like, negative Nancy, Nancy. Yes, Nancy <laughs> was who I used to call her because she was negative Nancy. Like, again, like for me growing up was always cut off negative Nancy. Like she ain't, she yeah, ain't yeah. part of your life, but recently Karen's, been, uh, Karen's taken over, you know, and she's like the, the name for the negativity. Yeah, exactly. Or the, you know, 
um, trying to cause problems. And always, there's always going to be that old self or negative self that's going to try to limit you, cause problems, um, create some type of fear. And we have to always break through. Allie mentioned it multiple times. She cut herself off. You know, yes. she actually it literally lasted five me. minutes, I reckon. And then I was like, hang on, man, shut the fuck up. And it also was shut like, shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> it was also, I also removed myself from anything that might have Did otherwise you feel that way. A thought yeah. process. So, like, I don't have attachments to scales and numbers. So, I weigh myself daily for the average over the week only when I'm in the pointy end of prep. I don't do it at any other point in time. And okay. I don't actually even have my clients do it because a lot of them. I was going to say, I was like, can I say though, Ali? That may be not in the right headspace for it. So, I don't, but... don't let a lot of them because. It, like, it gets into their head. Like, like look, okay, real experience, we should be please. able to do it and we should be able to use it as a data point. We should, but if you are advanced, anyone that's more advanced in maybe their fitness journey, it's a data right. point. Right. But for a new person yeah, or someone that's just with their journey, it holds that. So, not something I recommend. So, so I just made sure that I didn't jump on it that morning. Not that I thought it would even affect me, but I thought just in case, you know, I just took away everything that could potentially be a thing. Um, and then, and then literally the one thing I did was went, Christos, you are taking the shit tonight. I'm actually going to get a decent night's sleep because I think I need a nap. I feel like I'm that toddler that is literally having a tantrum because I'm overtired. You know, so Karen's had a little fucking front run on the stage for five minutes. So Alicia put herself to bed. She got a decent nine hours sleep. I woke up and I dropped on the scales. I lifted like a boss in the session that I had because I was actually starting to load in that second week. And everything was great. And I've just felt great ever since. So, you know, that thought process lasted for five minutes, you know, a decade. Hey, ago. but that was lack of sleep. Honestly, what you just said to me just a second yet means I just uh, needed a nap. Needed sleep, woman. Alicia <laughs> needed some sleep. And anyone that's feeling like they're losing their shit, right? Like you just feel like you Sometimes just can't you have life anymore. Honestly, what she said was right. <laughs> like that means you need more sleep. You need to take a nap. You need to maybe get a little extra sleep in time yeah. or maybe take a day a off. Little, a little R&R time too sometimes. Yeah. It's, you know, giving give back to you. So, so I guess on that whole, we're talking about the check-in and the progress that I'd had, that was literally in the two weeks with the first week only being, you know, body weight slash five kilos in the second week I was only starting to feel out a little bit of load and I'm talking like really RP at like a six type shit maybe <laughs> lucky if I even got to like what my normal six would be I laugh in but the I'm, best way I'm not laughing yeah, I just laugh yeah, it's, you know what I mean so it's like okay so this was the other thing I did I reminded myself that hey we've just had progress and I'm literally doing kindergarten shit compared to what I normally do. Amen. So yes. wait till after the 12 weeks postpartum and we start actually being Alicia Lifting for five in. minutes. Right. Like imagine, imagine how much faster Previous data. Yeah. Exactly. We can't refer to the old Alicia that lifted the same, you know, 200 kilograms no. and, you know, say, you know, or a hundred kilograms for certain things. And you're yeah. like, wait, I can't do that. Like I could barely lift five kilograms. So exactly. still what she just said is also very relevant because a lot of the times we refer back to what we 
used to be able to lift. Yeah. If you're coming out of a surgery, a rehab, you know, injury, you can't. And this was the same struggle that I had during prep. And I, I was just limited. Wow. I couldn't do certain lifts like squats and deadlifts or lunges at a heavy load because of my back and my foot. So mm. I ended up having it. I didn't have no broken back, but I did have a stress fracture in the foot. So a yeah. lot of the things right. during prep that she's had to deal with, that are very different for her and other previous preps, same issues, not same, but very similar things that we had to navigate through our food as well as recovery. And notice how we're talking about food and recovery more than load and training because it's being strategic about this. You are right. Because, you know, as you saw in Vegas, I was super, you know, vigilant and I was hyper-focused on what I was eating and I was tracking the whole time. I was not under eating and I was not in a deep protein, moderate carb, Yeah, focused on breastfeeding and healing still. Um, What we have done, I've dropped calories by a hundred that's it. She that's all the last, first two weeks. The first two weeks, right? we just dropped a hundred calories. We dropped, we dropped awesome. by, we've dropped by a total from, you know, when I very first, from the 16 week out to now of like 300 cals, that's it. Right. And that drop has been modest because we actually, like I said, wanted to try to capitalize upon an opportunity to recomp and create, you know, and also keeping the breastfeeding capacity high right so these factors were variables that had to come into the mix and these again were very new things to me so you know I mentioned <laughs> earlier that training looks so different if any anyone that follows me sees we are literally I'm nursing George in between sets in the gym at my house <laughs> and then Christos oh, is burping man. him and you know, yeah, hugging little... him or rocking him <laughs> while well, I'm with him his sets. So his it's reps. quite funny. It doesn't look <laughs> Amazing. like it used to, but you know what? We're making do. So it's one of those scenarios where, you know, it's as you mentioned before, people say, oh, I can never do this or I can't do that. And one of the things I always come back to is that time is actually never the issue. It's the prioritization of your time and yourself that is. Mm. And so, you know, everyone has the same time I've got. I'm still managing a full-time work schedule, multiple teams, international shows, travel, the newborn and my prep. Does it look like it normally does? Hell no. I'm like oh emailing gosh. people at 2 and 3 a.m. in the witching hour in between burps and farts and nappy changes. <laughs> like, and, then, and then other days I'm like online at, you know, nine o'clock at night, which I would never normally do. I normally have quite structured sort of timeframes, but you know what? It is what it is. I'm flexible. I'm fluid. I'm adaptable. Managing, yeah. I've got available to me to tick my boxes and do all the things I need to do in the 24 hour window I have. Um, So what have I done? Strategizing though. Prioritized activities according to you know, schedules that now fit for me and also according to, you know, the targets I have to hit every day. And any day where I'm feeling like I'm particularly tired or not necessarily motivated, I just literally break it back to what are my daily habits? Tick those boxes. What are my daily targets? Tick those boxes. Done. Motivation or not, shit gets executed right amen so, guys motivation is not going to always be there and this no, applies God, to especially not now oh oh <laughs> no motivation is the most fleeting emotion and notice how i say it's an emotion because yeah. it is just so like it is. we get sad and mad and frustrated and depressed 
it's just an emotion. So we can't depend and rely on it. So we have to really set up a habit and routine in place to actually be what sets us up because when motivation fails, routine will always prevail. And that will always give us some actual sense of like what to do, even if I don't want to do it. And what she said, one of the things that I would recommend anyone, this is, I think, um, for really irregular schedules, because let's say maybe you are nursing, um, you know, a newborn, or maybe you just have really irregular schedules as a nurse, doctor, you know, overnight shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you want to have different days and, and tell us like about like a couple of the days, but I I'm, I'm just bringing up here how you have to have maybe more of something you would fall back on as your schedule or strategy for that day if you have been versus you know you actually have if we we liken this to shift workers right because I feel like shift work it's very yeah absolutely it's very relatable don't laugh but Chris Oss and I call it our shifts so it is a shift (laughs) what shift we're gonna take and it goes like this you're either in better sleep at 6 p.m one of us is and the other one's awake or I'm never gonna survive as a mother You are either in bed asleep, right? Or the other one is tending to the early nighttime schedule. And you then get up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. and you run Uh, through the you run through the second half of the night. Or vice versa, right? So depending upon what shift I've had, depends upon then what time of the day I start either in the gym or at my desk working. So, Wait, so that's two module days, right? So two, two modules right different here. looking days. Yeah. But then you probably have one that's more of a reset and maybe a little yeah, more in between and you don't have maybe so much of a structure, yeah. but you're going to follow because you got to rest. But yeah, at the same time, yeah. all the things. So I done. do auto-regulate. And if like, I know that I've had a particularly crap sleep, even in my block of sleep, or I've had two broken blocks, meaning that he's gotten up and I've had to get up and then go back to sleep and then get back up again. Um, and I'm feeling still particularly Tired. sore and it's a quite a larger session. I'll just rest that day and I'll move my rest day. Like it, it's fine. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt. It's, it's the uh-uh. average total tonnage frequency yes. across the week. It doesn't matter Absolutely. if I miss a day here and pick it up over there, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. As long as in the course of the week, I've nailed it, but it's actually more beneficial for me to rest on that day. So my recovery is better than it is to try to push okay. through. So auto-regulation is a really big thing. And I think anyone listening to this, that applies no matter who you are and whether you're a ship worker, newborn parent or not, you've got to auto-regulate. Well, just busy with, with life, right? Yeah, exactly. Like having two Stresses, separate days, it's kind of explaining this is like two separate module days and how I say modules, meaning you might have two different uh, wake up times and sleep times, uh, eat times, workout times. So you actually structure around these days and then have that third day. That's a little more flexible that you're going to kind of have um, maybe a different sleep or wake, you know, time. So your so, day might look different, you know, looking at it. Um, so getting a bit geeked out here. Um, we look, hey, we all love, we all if love. I know I'm doing my early morning shift. So if I know I go to sleep between 6 and 7 p.m. and I'm sleeping till 2, 3, and then I'm up at the 3 a.m., I know that I've gotten a massive dump of deep sleep, which is great for recovery. So then what I know to be true is I can hit my bigger load sessions and bigger outputs Earlier. that day. 
If I have though less of the deep because your deep you mainly get between 10 and 2 a.m. because I'm up then and then sleeping in the later part of the night, that's my big thinking days. They're my big critical thinking days. I'm really switched on great for programming, great for client, great for interaction days. And that's the days where I'll do an upper body day only or a rest day. And I'm more hands-on deep down, deep diving in my laptop. Love this, Ali. Yeah. Yes, I do structure where I'm doing things around my shifts because it's more about what I'm getting out of my recovery and my repair and my sleep. And notice how she's actually referring to deep REM sleep. And please refer back to one of our episodes yeah, about an episode sleep. All you have to look up is queen of sleep from our podcast episodes and refer back to just understanding deep REM sleep and the importance of sleep. It's super, super crucial on recovery, yeah, the muscle, and just and the mood. Yeah. So, yeah, so I do, I do look at that. So again, this looks totally different than what would have been the norm, which was Christos and I asleep by 8.30 up at, you know, 5am with a, we had a very structured sort of life before. Um, Not that we were married to it. You know, we've always been quite flexible people, but requiring a whole nother level of flexibility and, you know, shout out to him. He's been amazing. He has picked up and supported me so that I could still be high functioning for clients and our work and my prep, right? So he's he's pretty awesome like that. And I'm very, very lucky. So that makes my life a lot easier for sure. Um, that is the one thing that I think I have a competitive advantage on most other women. If their partners oh, yeah. don't do those things, <laughs> then I'm one up on you, sister. And it's I'm just, sorry about it, but I'm not even traditional alley though. You know, it's just that traditional background. And and, and actually Christmas is super traditional when it comes down it's to culture. But like, I mean, if I, and just thinking of it, he's actually probably one of the more traditional people I know, yeah. but he respects and loves Ali's career and knows yeah. what her sport and what she does to be successful. Is- Yes. So he's very supportive on her dreams and everything that she wants to do. And I'm yeah, and I both. think, you know, largely um, too, and he'll probably agree with me if he was ever to have this conversation with you or listen to this. Um, my success is his success. So like, Amen. yes, absolutely. See his role and the value he's added to my journey as a success reward for him personally so it's not like it's just for me it's also a very rewarding thing for him to know that he's a backbone to that success so so you know 100 percent yeah he he is he is 100 percent he is and so we're very lucky to have the men that have in our life because we are able to be the women that we want to be you know and obviously be our best yeah and he's encouraging it you know, like, and he does dirty, dirty shit, mate. Like that keeps me on track in the most, you know what he's like. He's an absolute stirrer. So anyone listening to this, he's the pestiest, biggest pest that you'll ever meet on the planet. <laughs> he is a teaser. He's a chronic mischief maker. <laughs> he's he's me. 
he is Loki personified, right? Like I literally shit you not. I get my phone blows up with emojis and gifts with these little fats, you know, kids and these big fat ladies. And he's like, you can't, you can't have a cappuccino today because you're too far from stage. And there's massive big rolls everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, no, Sarah. <laughs> we'll be driving along, right? We're in the car and I'm in the back seat with Bubby and I'll be feeding Bubby. And have like, a cappuccino. He'll go, what are you doing over there? And he'll point and I'll look over and it'll be some massive person at the set of lights. And (laughs) and it's it's his way of, it's his way of just having fun with the fact that I can't indulge and I can't do things and I am meticulous and I am on track, but he's just taking the piss and it's a He knows you won't break though, Ali. If anyone that was, okay, because I'm going to tell you, I see this strategy from other people, other men that try to take this upon women and it is horrible because they end up, right, like sabotaging the girl and like making them feel worse whether he knows your skin, he knows you, he does it for fun, he does it to be peaceful. And he knows it's very different. He knows it's (laughs) funny and it just it may it, and it does actually though sometimes make me go yeah, yeah you know what I don't need salt on my food today <laughs> not to that point but I'm like I don't actually need that second cup of coffee and to factor that milk into my macros I'm better off right, right. because a milk does have macros y'all and as much as we think almond milk has no fat or is very oh, low in fat so we're like oh it's carb free fat free and it's like oh wait guys it's still a mess it's not it's not still a calorie it's not so you know look he is he is fun in the journey but he's also super supportive which is great and I think you know some of the key things that I'm going to need over the next course of time for this prep to be successful is those periods of time where I am going to have to um, be training outside of the house with one of my specialist team perhaps and that's where he will come on board and be super you know supportive and look after bub and let me duck out and do what I got to do, which is great. I also, you know, um, am super focused on in the next two weeks, as I get past this little uterus fully healed, you know, roadblock that I've had, um, I've got to start then the process of creating intensity again in my lifts, but intensity that is relative to the current point in time in my current capacity, not relevant to what I've done before, but relevant no ego, to the y'all. No ego, just smart. Exactly. So removing that out and safely loading with what is now some foundational, um, you know, starting points again, because I really have been rehabbing to get me to this basic starting point. And one of the things that, you know, I have noticed, which was one of the reasons why I had that Karen moment is that with the healing abdominal wall, you have this, and this is, you know, unless you've being pregnant you you won't know what I'm talking about but anyone listening to this that's being pregnant had kids before knows exactly what I'm talking about in fact some women will be listening to this going shit my kid's 20 and I still have it but it's a thing <laughs> it's a thing you, you literally have this like squishiness it's like the abdominal fat that you have is mm. like a very soft, tissue around the wall very soft it's a very so it's like a sponge. If you were to come in yeah. and put your fingers there, Steph, you'd be like, wow, that's soft, so like, soft. Like, like if it was body fat, right? Like yeah. adipose. Yeah. Tissue. So you're yeah. doing so like a little layer of adipose. It's a post-pregnancy thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, look, continuing the work I'm doing and continuing to obviously lean out, it will improve. But it just means too 
that the visibility of my abs will be delayed. So again, that's of the layer, right? Like we're talking about that layer yeah. and yep. surface, yep. just like fascia. We're referring Correct. to this as like a fascia layer. So I have to now mentally, but this is the thing. I know it. I know the logic. I know the fact that it's mm. a physiological thing that I'm facing, but I, I also don't know imagine don't that like, it will come off and it will be okay. It's just, it's probably not going to be visible or a thing for me until right at the very end. So it's just being mm. very conscious and aware of that because normally I'd have abs sticking out at like, I don't know, 10 weeks out. Or but Ali, that actually kind of is very relevant for anyone that has very shallow tendons. Though, That's, right? very That's very someone true too. That's very true. Someone that maybe doesn't have a C-section or, yeah. you know, obviously maybe some type of surgery there or pregnancy, yeah. but has really shallow tendons and they have a little more fatty storage around yeah. the lower a, a little bit more in the midsection yeah so more your pear-shaped physiques will yeah this where it's there it wouldn't be into the last phases and last stages of yeah so it's that's like another thing that was me for a long time i couldn't get any abs until like the last few weeks of prep and i was like okay finally yeah. you showed up but i was it, like that at the start you know, the start of my career i was like that and then built them over time and it's been less yep. of a thing for me for the last probably five years so this is but you have abs because i can yeah, see your upper abs now. even like with yeah even with, even with body fat on me normally you can see them now like in my yeah. off season you can still see the outline the right? wall. Yeah. you know now it's it's just going to be slower to come back however you know i was talking to my um physio yesterday when we we're going through one of my corrective um pilates sessions to fix that lower quadrant and she was saying to me that you know I'm doing things at 10 weeks postpartum that she's got clients that are nearly a year post that aren't oh, still, shit. still aren't doing. And I'm doing and a little memory. And that's what she said to me. She goes, you won't have any problems. And this is going to come in mm -hmm. and you are going to literally find that you'll have visibility here way sooner than if you were the normal person. So, so that made, that made me feel really comfortable too. But these are the things when we think about the mental sides of where this prep is different, it's starting point is different. The targets are different. My timeline is Obviously, different. My yeah. variables are different in my home life, in my personal life, in my work structure. My schedule is different. Um, and then to add to that mix, I've had this surgery. So this rehab element to what I'm doing is very different. Um, the mental side is going to be that I'm going to be at different, I'm going to be lean at different points in time to where I would normally be. And parts of the body that would be more visible already are not going to come in until the very final stages. So I'm already having those conversations with myself. Karen has been told to just stay inside of her room and, um, and I'm sorted, like I'm good with it. So, you know, I think these are the things that if you were going through a, a prep process, you should by rights be having upfront proactive conversations with your coach oh, yeah. around what may be happening at what point in time, oh, what you can expect. I'm having them with myself because, you know, heck, I'm I'm literally, you know, I'm head coach. So yeah. <laughs> I'm having that conversation with myself and putting Karen on the fucking bench. Um, you but my story, up. You, know. you need to have that. You need to be forward thinking. You need to know what the reality of the prep is going to look like, what the challenges are going to look like, where the mental, you know, um, hurdles are going to be. And you need to be prepared for them. So I've sat down, taken score. I've got my accounts in order and my ledger is balanced as to what I'm going to have on either side as pros and cons. And I've literally worked a strategy for almost everything that's going to come at me. And for anything that does, Christos is there to. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, you've got 
support. And I mean, like, gosh, I have your back. You have so many people in your corner. And I know this is always going to come down to who has support in their corner. Because if you don't, you're going to feel like you really, not just you, just saying in general, anyone that does a prep, not just postpartum, but in general doesn't have support. You're really not going to have someone to back up on and like tell you you're freaking stupid right now. You're overthinking it. You're just really being critical. You're being a Karen right now and you're in your head. But when you have good support, you have good coaches, you ask yourself these questions, you have a strategy in place and you aren't freaking out about numbers, just only numbers because pictures speak louder than freaking numbers. And also how you feel. You know, like oh, hundred percent. The numbers. It's oh, how you yeah. feel, like, because you'll notice when you're not being attached and and yes. defined by data only. You'll have a feel and a vibe. Like, I'm I'm not shitting you. I'm excited for my That's next so check in to get the calipers because I think my movement's going to be quite high because I'm you're noticing have a drop, like a pretty big drop, right? And yeah. I'm feeling the vibes when I wake up. I'm like, yeah, okay, great. When I go to bed at night, I'm flatter. I can feel my midsections tighter. I can see my waistline really daily changes. My tapers yes. I can see my delts are starting to have some shape. I can see my tricep definition now when I'm just standing normally, which I had lost mm-hmm. for a year and a half. Like, see that I'm, delt I'm, come I'm, out. I'm, I've got the feels and I've got the sight and I'm not, you know, associating that with anything yet metrically this week. So I already know stepping into my session with her on Tuesday because she was ill this week, so we couldn't do the calipers. I'm going to have a big, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to have a big drop. I reckon absolutely and- I will have a big drop. And I will have measurements go up in my measurements. I was, was going to say body composition changes would be a drop in weight, but also an increase in measurements or a drop in measurements, increase in weight or no change in it weight. Be, so I understand. I that, predict the drop in calipers, drop in body fat, an increase in some me- measurements, perhaps primarily yes. glutes and legs, maybe stagnancy in those measurements because I will have dropped some body fat as I've created some lean mass. Yeah. And then I think overall, a slight drop on scales i might surprise myself with the scale though it might be higher than what i'm predicting but i'm i'm predicting a big move yeah and what's the what's the still matter if you look and faster. feel better yeah. yeah yeah like i'm noticing but, it i'm noticing it in my clothes too like i'm back in all of my pre-pregnancy workout <laughs> gear. i'm technically only 500 grams now from my pre-pregnancy starting point but yeah. let me caveat this my pre-pregnancy starting point was post a year of IVF and my composition had already drastically changed in order to fall pregnant. So that was much higher body fat position and I dropped a little bit of mass. Um, so it's not necessarily super relevant to look at my pre-pregnancy starting point because it's not actually relevant to my point in prep to stage. But it is just nice to know that I'm almost back there, you know? But with body compositional changes kind of what you're referring to here it's not so much again about the drop but you are going to have an upcoming drop so I want to touch base on just really quickly how some people get so discouraged on the let's say those four week progress rate you know and they're just stuck on the same weight but the measurements are changing the pictures are looking better just like yours were body fat 
and you might be dropping bones. Yeah, you might be getting a little more mass back on your body. So those the weight numbers are going to stay stagnant, but then you're going to have that whoosh effect and have that drop. And like Ali said, she's already anticipating it because she's seeing and feeling the changes. And she already knows that that four week accumulation is now happening in the metrics now. But understand that she waited and didn't just do any drastic changes in those four weeks drop calories or increase cardio you know she really just allowed her body to change on its own through body consistency right so just applying that absolute level of consistency and adherence the adherence over time is where this stuff actually starts to really work right yeah um absolutely and for everyone listening this is something super interesting which you know might shock people but i have literally (laughs) eaten the exact same thing the exact same thing for all of my uh, it, it doesn't shock me, but I mean, I'm sure it shocks other people. <laughs> yeah. So this is for all the people out there that want to be Dinger, all everyone. All, all this she eats the same so thing every day. Let me caveat this and say this. My shit is optimized for micronutrients. There is not a single micronutrient at the moment yeah. that I'm shortfalling in. I have diversity in my food sources with a lot of color. Okay. So mm-hmm. it is not a need for me to have diversity week to week because I have di- I have a lot of diversity day across day. the scope of what I'm eating in my yeah. one given day. But I've been eating yeah. the exact same shit for three and a half months. <laughs> so that I had, I get clients. I want a different meal plan every week. I'm like, why? What's the point of a different meal plan every week? Having a meal prep every single different week. Like, and look, everyone's different. What works and for you? What whatever's going to make you adherent. I I'm I'm going to say you've got to do what makes you adherent, right? So whatever that yes, is, but you can adhere to the meals you like, which is what yeah. you've done. Like you've selected the meals you like. I've got put meals them I day. love with yeah. diversity, with the colors of the rainbow, with fruit, with red, with veg, with the servings I need of each and grains and my micronutrients optimized. So all that will happen from now through to stage is I'm going to change portions and we might mix a few things up and out as we get super close, but that's it. You won't see me drastically changing what I'm eating or how I'm eating between now and then. You're also getting your body used to the variables, meaning the same consistent foods that it wants and responds to the best, that you feel the best on. So you're not just mixing up and just randomly changing all your day-to-days to to not be consistent with how your body's I'm not saying everyone has to do that, right? I'm not, but- um, Some people are pretty good at that, you know, flexible, and don't get me wrong though, I'm not saying flexible dieting is not good during prep, but I've actually said this before. Flexible dieting is going to actually stop you from getting leaner if you are trying to get to a condition that is required for me. Even the best flexible dieters that we know do not leave their flexibility. They can can drop weight. Okay, understand this, y'all, though. You can drop weight. You can have weight loss, but fat loss is so much harder achieved through flexible dieting than it is through well, actually changing so many other variables when you swap. Exactly. That's really just the reason why. So Your micronutrients to stick exact. And, you know, look, I think the fact that I've had those big drops now that output is catching, you know, my output is starting to increase is showing that I'm not going to have anything that's an unknown either, right? So 
So I'm super pumped. I think we're going to start to see more visible changes in my physique over the coming weeks. I think it'll be the last six weeks for me where it will be like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> um, I'm super excited to get. Ellie, you're going to inspire so many people. You really are. So. I'm so pumped because you're not no, just okay, so many other to have injuries yeah. and have their There's going to be. Whether we like it or not, there's going to be some people that are going to hope I fail. Hey, haters make us freaking work harder. Okay. So fuck the haters. Okay. (laughs) Let me put that out there because that is one of the things that are the motivators, I think, for you and I. A hundred percent. Individually. I just know you. Underestimate me. You're going to freaking work your ass off more because you know there's eyes on you. And secondly, because there are haters. So I know you're going to really set a big, big landmark and, you know, obviously staple for a lot of women that are acting like postpartum is just like such a, I, yeah. and I, I am, and I, okay, y'all, please don't take it wrong. Like, I know I've never had children. I know I'm, you know, obviously not someone that's bared, you know, a child, but I work with so many women that have and haven't, and the difference in psychological side of things are pretty much the limitations your mind makes. It's not so much the physical. I've had people that yeah. are broken completely with injuries, yeah. not even birth the child, and are able to do more than someone that did birth a child, right? So, and they didn't have and any vice versa, right? So, right, or vice yeah. versa. So, it just yeah. really means on limitations your mind allows or you allow your mind to give you and really start strategizing on what's not just a realistic goal. Because if Ali would have just thought, is this a realistic goal? I don't think she would have done this. This is she a goddamn grind. It is going to be, uh, let me see if I can do this goal. And yeah. I know she will. Like, there's no doubt in my head that well, she's going to. Let's be this. honest about it. I posted about this. You know, this is me. Let's be frank. This is like, did anyone really expect me? <laughs> Probably freaking not. Not if they know me. Um, and to be honest, this also keeps me feeling my like I don't lose sight of my identity in the process yeah. of yeah. you know having new complexities to my life and a new family unit you know and we're getting married in February so everything is changing for the better but it's you know I'm still me and I will not lose sight of that and this was just something I wanted to do for myself you know I wanted to make sure that I felt like You're also leading by the front though Ali incapable of performing at my best and personally developing through you know what would otherwise be perceived to be challenges that you know might have kept me on the sidelines for another couple of years I just refuse to accept that so you know, it's not me <laughs> so, you know is it easy hell no it's oh not. no okay y'all what she's it's doing not. is probably the most vulnerable and probably one of the hardest shits you can do coming yeah, out of shit like this with and knowing everyone's open. known me as one way i admire her so i mean i admire what she's doing <laughs> you know, like and and it and it is and and i appreciate all of the support and the positive messages and the positive direct messages i get because I can't express how fucking vulnerable motivating scary it is to but it motivates you I'm sure right like knowing my how much worst you're physical condition of my life right like oh come on okay okay exactly. Ali's worst what her starting point is is what most women are like I wish I could be there someday <laughs> and then you have Ali like starting her prep and I get this like uh, to 
I, and we have to say this, Oily, because we're super critical on ourselves. And I always say every time I start my prep, I'm like, oh my God, I let myself go. But I really did. It was just like a strategy to be where I was at the end of the off season and then going into prep. And yours was a strategy to have a healthy pregnancy. Yeah, correct. I prioritize my have the pregnancy, then have a healthy pregnancy. And then afterwards, give labor and then have to do it through C-section have the surgery and you're super, super healthy with your approach. And I hope yeah. women are learning and are listening to the protocols that she's taken yeah. have all been very smart, slow, and all done nutritionally way more than physical at the start. Then she slowly started implementing some physical activity. And from Post there, right? Yeah, she slowly has now started to try to do a little bit more, but that's all through clearance. So uh, being smart. <laughs> I'm super, I'm super pumped to have everyone sort of see, and I'm super keen to even see what I can achieve physically, right? Like building up to a lifting capacity, because you got to respect that as obviously I progress with rehab and I'm capable, doesn't mean I'll always have it accessible to me because I'm going to be in increasing levels of deficit. So therefore, you know, strength gains are significantly limited and reduced. So I'm I'm sort of pumped to see where I get to. And, you know, I hope that that actually does give people a lot more um, comfort and confident in their confidence in their own journey that like if I can do this post this starting from the ground up and in a deficit managing all the shit that I've got you know going on then you know so can anyone else you know like I'm not doing this because I think I'm better than anyone I'm doing it to show everyone that anyone can do this if they actually just you know apply themselves we ain't superhuman we just have a very big will and a big strong mindset that's going to push us to do the things a lot of competitive and a lot of support <laughs> yeah that too a lot, lot of competitive nature, good support nature. and then obviously we set ourselves out to do the things and don't just wish them we actually take action to do and them. you know i'm super pumped to actually get on stage besides several of my clients i ha- i'm actually currently <laughs> that's such a good feeling ladies to get on stage it. with me, and I can't wait. Can you imagine the party I'm going to have backstage is going to be off the... Ali, uh, I'm going to be the one like, in the back. Be okay, I'm being serious. I'm a vibe <laughs> backstage normally. This is going to be next level. It's going to be like... Oh, Ali, I cannot wait. Okay, y'all. I, okay I, I, I'm just really, really already envisioning the stage, but Atlantic City is just a different type of vibe. I mean, we really It's don't awesome. Really I love it. Here. Because I mean, there's really not to do in Atlantic City, honestly. But we see in the in the actual casino, in the actual venue, and everyone gets to know each other. We yes. all get to actually communicate and connect, and the stage is like so cozy. So I'm pumped to see you on stage, but yeah, also be able to be part way. of the show. The way you were able to be a part of the world show, I am just Yay. pumped to go and support and watch, and you know, just be there. Just, you know, overall as one of the, you know, help helpers. This I time, love it. Right? I love it. I can't and wait. So, I cannot yes. wait. I cannot wait. December bunch of 3rd, months. right? Am I right about the date? 3rd. December 3rd, right? We're so heading December over. 3rd. All of our flights, everything's booked. Everything's organized. We're heading over to the Bahamas on the 21st of November. I will do what I always do, which is a little bit week there. And then we are heading straight to Atlantic City. We've got a massive team coming. I cannot wait to share it with all of the guys and girls. It's just going to be so much fun. And 
it's always a blast. so sentimental to me because it was my very first crown. It was your first crown. So I want to come back and take out another one if I can. That's what I'm aiming for. Oh, you're going to make some waves no matter what. Like you're going to set up. I'm going to go have so much fun. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm going to I'm gonna really enjoy meeting a whole bunch of new people. You know, a lot of the new athletes coming through that I haven't had the pleasure, that they have not had the pleasure of being backstage with me yet. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them no, you're right. the world, I think, at the makeup room. But if you haven't had okay. the land down under flavor from uh, Ellie, you're going to be getting that flavor. It's honestly so, one of the best shows of the year. USA Championship. So. Yeah, I think um, so. Atlantic City is December 3rd so any of you guys that are wanting to tune in I'm sure I, I don't want to say it's 100% sure that it's going to be pay-per-viewed but I have a hinge and a little hunch that it will Look, be it might be because it's, it's going to be a huge show it's going to have like just tune in wherever you're at in the world it's gonna have make some sure you download and get on make her come back woohoo we're gonna make it hot, hey? <laughs> oh, girl, it's gonna be hot, hot, hot. Definitely. I'm gonna smoke that stage up, set it on fire. Yeah, okay, just quickly, and I'll leave it at that because if no one's watched Ali on stage and no one has actually, because the pay per view wasn't a really around at the time when we were winning, you know, the worlds yeah. and doing our stage time, and there really wasn't all the stage videography that's going on nowadays. Oh, either. There's a lot more. So you're gonna now. be getting. Yeah, you're going to be getting your Gilco Productions video. You're also going to be getting streamed most likely through pay-per-view amongst to everyone across the globe. So if you haven't seen her, okay, y'all have to be mesmerized by Alicia's presence on stage because <laughs> this woman is a complete different animal on the stage. She is the literal Victoria's Secret of the WBFF, the bombshell angel <laughs> that when she steps on the stage, you're like, oh my God, what just happened? Like. <laughs> <laughs> angel which hence uh, Allie's angels I get it like I mean uh, you really represent I your name so well uh, exactly didn't she, like literally like uh, she named her, her team so well after her presence so no guys I'm excited for you guys to experience and witness Ellie on stage there's a lot so of pressure now step Jesus hey you better <laughs> bring it with the stage presence because I already know oh, it here, but I know you will no. I'm gonna have so much fun I cannot wait I'm I'm like Allie. already visualizing my routines I'm not putting my heels on just yet I like to save my back for as long as I can but I'm visualizing my routine Routine. and let me just say this is gonna be fire it's gonna be <laughs> spicy y'all i already know her so <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm excited i'm thrilled and if you guys haven't already followed ellie which i'm sure you guys already do make sure you're actually seeing in top of her stories to actually watch her day-to-day yeah. -day, you know yeah. obviously journey and i'll be here ellie for anything obviously you already know i'm yeah so for everyone that is biggest fan for everyone that is tuning in um i'm going to do a video update Every second um, check-in update I do is going to be video, so you can actually nice. in movement. Um, and then every first one will be the static side-by-side -side like I did. We've um, made the choice to do that so that you can see across both spectrums because I, I believe in full transparency and I think a lot of women do a lot of- Are we going to document this on YouTube? And I'm calling you out, but are we going to document this on YouTube or no? I don't, I don't <laughs> do the filtered thing. So she's like, um, I'm not- see it all up and raw and real. Um, and I will be sharing a lot of stuff in my story. And look, anyone that follows me knows that- I'm about as real as you can get. Like if you if yeah. you're opposed to cussing, you probably don't want to watch my stories. 
don't listen to our podcast. You guys are supposed to cuss. y'all. If you like some fun and shenanigans, dial in because there's going to be plenty of it. Um, and I think there's going to be some funny, funny moments in this prep. Don't you worry about that. We all do. Leave it up to Christos. What you're going to be seeing is George's poos. <laughs> <laughs> He's been recording them and sending them through like the family group chats. I'm like, can you stop doing this? You're going to give our son a complex and he's freaking nine weeks old. Like, what the hell? Can you imagine what he's George doing? George is the biggest traveler. Like, already oh, met. my God. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen George, he's traveled to more countries, I think. With yeah. So guess where old. George is going next month? <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. What, New Zealand oh, now? He's going to Bali. Bali. I was about to say Bali next. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how did I guess? I'm like, if it's not New Zealand, it's going to be Bali. <laughs> it's his Auntie Trish's birthday. So we're oh. going with Auntie Trish and we're doing a little villa with a chef. I am so jealous. I'm Auntie Stephanie and Auntie <laughs> Trish takes over now. Jesus Christ. We're in Bali. Then we do the Gold Coast show and then we do. Um, We've got another trip somewhere else. We've got a couple more trips to Canberra. We were doing New Zealand, but New Zealand sadly just got cancelled. So we New Zealand is now off the run. But then we've got Atlantic City and then we've got Penang. So he's yeah, got you, you forgot Bahamas, one of the best. Oh, countries and ever. Bahamas. That's <laughs> right. You forgot Bahamas before he's months old. Can you imagine what his passport's gonna look like? Far out. It's gonna be more than what people's lifetimes passports are. So yeah, that gives you a little insight of George's life right now and Ali's prep. So I hope exactly you guys have right, enjoyed right? oh being able to see a little insight of what Ali's been, you know, doing, starting her prep and kind of how she's been able to start and get going with her momentum. She hasn't been stuck on just numbers. If anything, she's been stuck more on her look, her feel, and making sure that she is setting things up into place uh, leading into her, you know, show day. So y'all have yeah. safe earning the right to progressively load. Wait a second um, again. Earned it. Myself up for the next phase, which will be my second um, meso cycle in the entire prep to stage which will actually see me starting to progress in my lifts more with more normalcy, right? So there's some exciting things coming up. I know a few of you have asked for it. So I will share some of my rehab next week, the things I'm doing in the house on my Pilates reformer, the things I'm doing with my rehab um, people throughout the week. And then obviously follow me if you want to see more of my absolute raw, <laughs> sometimes not so flattering, completely vulnerable check-ins. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for, Allie. So keep freaking bringing them up, showing up and being the inspiration that you are. We love it. And I hope everyone's being inspired just as much as I am. Oh, so we you. love you and everyone. Thank you for listening. Honestly, thank you guys for your support and the reviews and just overall comments. But if you guys ever really want a topic, we and Ali are always open to topic requests. So yes, definitely hit us request. Up. Give us a request, drop a comment, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. See ya. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Queen Divas, Queens of Fitness podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Queen Divas Pod, on Twitter at Queen Divas 4, and follow our hosts on Instagram, Alicia at Alicia Gowans underscore WBFF Pro, and Steph at Stephanie Ayala 7. See you all next week.